stay in the spirit. Job 2 says, blow the trumpet in Zion. Zion. God's been speaking to us about Zion, Mount Zion. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm in my holy hell. Let all who live in the land tremble. From there the Lord is coming. It is at hand. And before I read the rest, I am not talking about the darkness and the gloom and all of that. That's not my point tonight. But it's a day of darkness and gloom. <laughs> a day of clouds and blackness. Like dawn spreading across the mountains. A large and mighty army comes. Such as never was in ancient times. Nor ever will be in ages to come. Before them fire devours. Behind them a flame blazes. Before them the land is like the Garden of Eden. Behind them a desert waste. Nothing escapes them. They have the appearance of horses. They gallop along like cavalry. With the noise of that of chariots, they leap over the mountain tops. Like a crackling fire consuming stubble, like a mighty army drawn up for battle. At the sight of them, nations are in anguish, every face turns pale. They charge like warriors, they scale walls like soldiers. They all march in line, not swerving from their course. They do not jostle each other, each marches straight ahead. They plunge through defences without breaking ranks. They rush upon the city. They run along the wall. They climb into the houses. Like thieves, they enter through the windows. Before them, the earth shakes. The heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened and the stars no longer shine. The Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number, and mighty is the army that obeys his command. The day of the Lord is great, it is dreadful. Who can endure it? God is raising up an army on the earth. And there's nine aspects of this army that I want to just talk about for a wee while. And the first part of this army is that they're the Joshua generation. We've never seen this before. Every one of us here has been part of a Moses generation. We've all been part of something that's been great. We saw many revivals, like Moses saw the fire. He saw the cloud by day and the fire by night. But they hadn't entered the promised land. And we've all been part of a generation. It's been a Moses generation. But Job's army, God is preparing the secret, he's preparing an obscurity, he's preparing the least of these, he's preparing the weak. And as I'm speaking this, I'm not just speaking to this wee crowd here, Lorna said that she got a word that I was speaking to the nation. And I know that that's true. This is an army that is, we've all been rejected, we've all been we might feel we don't fit in, we're not good enough. But this is the army that God's raising up. And we are going to be the first generation ever to go into the promised land. The promised land. What is the promised land? It's fullness. It's fullness. It's something we've never seen before. None of us have seen this. None of us have seen this. It's the Joshua generation. We are going to enter the land. One of the, th- the things that you've maybe never heard this before, that God is raising up, he's raising up oracles. You might even, you probably don't even know where that is, don't worry. It says in 1 Peter 4.11, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Oh, 
Another version says, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. 2 Peter 1.21 says, For the prophecy came not in olden times by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It's like we are going to see a release of the prophetic that we've never seen before. And it is not the prophetic that we've seen. We've all been used in gifts. The gifts of the Spirit is Pentecost. But there's something beyond Pentecost. There's something beyond Pentecost. There was three feasts in Israel. One was the Passover, one was Pentecost, and the third one was Tabernacles. We're about to see the fulfillment of Tabernacles. Tabernacles is not just about a gift. When Pentecost, God released gifts. It was a first fruit. But what is coming is the fullness. It's the fullness of the Spirit. And the Oracle Spirit is about to be released. It's way beyond the gift. I want to give just a few examples of people who operated in this. Because there's always been prototypes. People who walked in this before their time. It's like the spies. The spies went into the land before the rest of the generation went in. They went in to spy the land. There's been people, prototypes in the past, who've lived and who've walked in this. Charles Finney, he was talking about this oracle. What is the oracle thing? It's not just prophetic, it's when there's power on your words. It's when there's something comes on your words and it cuts men to the heart. Whole nations will listen to the voice that's coming. It's like John the Baptist spoke in the desert. And the thousands, multiple thousands came to hear him speak. Because he was a voice, he was not an echo. He was not just preaching a sermon, he was a voice. And he said, this power is a great marvel. I have many times seen people unable to endure the word. The most simple and ordinary statements would cut men off from their seats like a sword. We took, take away their bodily strength and render them almost as helpless as dead men. Several times it has been true in my experience that I could not even raise my voice or say anything in prayer or exhortation except in the, mind, the mildest manner without entirely overcoming those who were present. This was not because I was preaching terror to the people. But the sweetest sounds of the gospel was overcome them. This power seems to pervade the atmosphere of one who is highly charged with it. Many times great numbers of persons in a community will be clothed with this power. When the very atmosphere of the whole place seems to be charged with the life of God. Strangers coming into it. And passing through this place will be instantly smitten with conviction of sin. In many instances converted to Christ. Charles Finney was not preaching judgment or hell. He was preaching the sweetest sounds of the gospel. But it still cut men to the heart. There's an anointing coming upon a group of people. And when I say a group of people, it's for all of us who want it. God has called many, but it's up to us if we make ourselves chosen. And it's not about being good enough. It's just admitting that we're not good enough, actually. Mike Bickle talks about this. He calls it apostolic preaching. Saints of all called the unction is something that some people walked in, but we've never seen. Acts 2, verse 37, it says, When people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to people and the other apostles, What shall we do to be saved? God is releasing in this army oracles. George Whitfield, for example, it says, One account tells that the crowds elbowed and shoved and trampled over themselves to hear of the divine things from the famed Whitfield. He says, once Whitfield started speaking, however, the frenzied mobs were spellbound. Even in London, Whitfield remarked, I never observed so profound a silence. 
His speaking often had remarkable effects upon his audiences. On one occasion, referred to as the Canvas Lang Revival, which is near Glasgow, he preached at noon, again at six, and again at nine. At eleven, there was a commotion. Conviction seized the sinners. Some began weeping. Soon thousands wept. And at times the walls would drown the wails would drown the voice of the preacher. It is said that he his voice could be heard for a mile without amplification. Can you imagine? We think we're anointed. But can you imagine being in a field with hundreds of thousands of people, fifteen thousand people I think it was. And it's the crowds are spellbound because of the anointing on them. The crowds are spellbound. It's time for our efforts to be put aside. It's time for us to stop just trying like our ways and let's get a wee outreach and try this. We need to see the old-fashioned anointing, if you like, the oracle spirit again, where those thousands will be spellbound and it's not preaching judgment to them. It's the sweetest sounds of the gospel, but at the same time, it cuts men down to the heart and the thousands. It carries a heavyweight glory. It's a heavyweight glory upon people. The fullness that's going to see the nation transformed. Our programs are not going to do it. Our efforts are not going to do it. It has to be an army that God raises up who are anointed, who have the oracle spirit upon them. Another aspect of this army is that this will be an Enoch generation. God is raising up a generation who walk with God, who are friends of God, who know how to access heaven and know how to release justice. The past few weeks we've been reading this scripture from Hebrews 12. It says, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. You have come to Mount Zion, do you realise when we pray that we actually come to Mount Zion? Mount Zion's in heaven. There's a generation God's raising up who know how to access heaven. We know how to go there. And it's not difficult. It's by faith realising that we're actually there. People like Ian Clayton are opposed by many, but they're shown as the way. A generation who knows how to live from heaven to earth we're not going to transform earth by earthly ideas. We're going to transform earth when we get the blueprints from heaven. We're going to know how to access heaven. Yes. Enoch generation knows how to access Zion, the governmental arena of heaven. The time for just having church meetings the way we've done it is over. God is raising up the ecclesia. The actual word for church is ecclesia. It's about his government. Ecclesia was actually about a called out people who knew how to legislate. The ecclesia was the Greek legislator. It was parliament. God is raising up the parliaments all over the nation, all over the earth. And it's small groups of people who know how to access heaven, who God will anoint as oracles. And the spirit of conviction will be released again because we are going to walk like Enoch. Jude 1, 14-16 says, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. Enoch prophesied about this generation. Enoch saw something coming. He saw, an, uh, he saw into the far future and he's seen a generation that was going to walk with us who would walk with such conviction. It says, Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them. To judge. Judge is not necessarily about wrath. Wrath and judgment is two different things. Judgment brings realignment. It realigns and if we have got our sins under the blood, 
judgment for us is good, that we're bringing justice to the earth because a lot of stuff is happening is not good, that we are going to know how to walk in the government and courts of heaven and we will bring justice to the earth and convict all of them of their ungodly acts that they have committed in their their ungodliness. And of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against them. There is a fear of the Lord coming. There is a sight to God that is not necessarily the way we like it. And it's more than just love and grace. It's fear and conviction. Paul Keith Davis was recently, a few years back, he went to Mariah Chapel in Wales. And that's where the World Revival started. And he was standing there and he saw a cloud coming in. And the Lord said to him, that's a cloud of conviction. He said, this generation knows very little about this. The Enoch generation is going to walk in this. See, the Lord's coming with thousands upon thousands of holy ones to judge everyone. Judgment is good when you get a verdict on your behalf. This is a Enoch generation. We're a Joshua generation. We're going to walk his oracles, but we're an Enoch generation. And the key to this is laid down lovers. We need to be laid down lovers, not out of a false sense of trying to be holy or righteous, but because of God's grace, we laid down our lives for love. And we need to love each other. We need the culture of honour, but we also need to love God so much that we're willing to give up everything for this. That's the question God's asking the people all across this nation. Are we willing to be laid down lovers just like Heidi Baker? But are we willing to be laid down lovers to see this for our nation? It might mean we give up everything. It might mean we change our direction in life. I don't know what it means for every individual. But we, God is looking for laid down lovers. People who laid down their lives change whole nations. Like Kevin Roberts. He was a laid down lover. He just pursued God until he found him. I don't know if you realise what I'm doing by now, but yeah. I'm spelling out the name Joel, J Joshua Generation, O Oracles, E Enoch Generation, L Way Down Lovers, S is a controversial one. <laughs> Whoa! Bring it, bring it. <laughs> S is seven spirits. you realise Jesus did not operate just in the gifts of the Spirit? It says in Isaiah 11 verse 2 The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding the Spirit of counsel and of power the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord The seven Spirits of God rested on Jesus the spirit of the Lord the spirit of the Lord the spirit of the Lord the Lordship is coming under his government Jesus commanded the government of heaven he only did what he saw his father doing and it was the spirit the ruach, the wind it was the manifest presence of God rested on him it was not a gift it was the fullness of the Spirit of the Lord. That's why when Jesus came to an island or walked anywhere, people would run up and throw themselves at his feet because he carried the manifest presence. It was the Spirit of the Lord, the fullness. The Spirit actually means Yahweh. It was God himself and fullness came on Jesus. seven spirits working fully through a man. Jesus became a man. The spirit of the Lord. There's a generation that's going to have the seven spirits. The spirit of the Lord is going to come upon us again in fullness. Four times in the book of Revelation does it talk about the seven spirits. 
the seven spirits are part of what God is doing. Wisdom and understanding. Jesus did not just have a gift of wisdom and understanding. He walked in the fullness of this. Just like Daniel. Daniel was a prototype of what it is to walk in the fullness of wisdom and understanding. Can you imagine that the wisdom and understanding comes upon us? That the seven spirits come and tutor us? And that Daniel could actually be someone who changes a nation. And Joseph... Wisdom and its fullness operating through a man can see the governments change. It can change economies, politics. It's the fullness that's coming. It's not just Pentecost anymore. It's about tabernacles. It's about the fullness of the seven spirits. Wisdom is coming and it's going to be fullness. Can you imagine people, governments coming to us when there's economic crisis? When the, the there's war and rumours of war when the, the world's going down the tubes and we can have such wisdom, we can speak like Daniel and suddenly the whole nation is raised up from the economic slump and we can save nations from famine. That's only going to happen through the fullness of wisdom. Spirit of wisdom and understanding. And the spirit of counsel and might. Moses was an example of the spirit of counsel and might. It's not just a gift. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? This was when Moses came before the Red Sea. It looked as if they were stuck. It looked as if they had to remain there. It was over for them. That's what they thought. But Moses listened to the counsel of God. And the counsel of God releases the power, which is the spirit of might. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. I.e. raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. That was counsel. The might came. In verse 21 it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground and a wall of water on their right and on their left. Adhering to the spirit of counsel will release might. We've not seen this in our generation. We've not seen something like Moses where we can hear the counsel of the Lord and it pushes back the sea. People have walked in this. William Branham walked in this. But he would get the counsel about the person, who they were, the, the name of them, the date they were born, who their wife was, the name of the wife. And God would say, you need to do this, 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 this. He would do it exactly, and the person would be completely made whole. God is releasing counsel and might again. Yes. Counsel and might. It's the seven spirits that God's releasing. knowledge Jesus through the woman at the well was an example of this fullness of the spirit of knowledge that was just not a word of knowledge he functioned in the fullness of the spirit of knowledge can you imagine where the fullness of the spirit of knowledge comes upon us and we speak and we can tell someone everything about their life that's what Jesus did because she went back to her city and said here is the man who told me everything I ever did the spirit and knowledge was so powerful that the whole city came to see this man. See, we're trying to win the nation by our efforts and just our ideas about how you win people and try and do a bit of outreach. But God wants the fullness of the seven spirits to come. That's why there's so much opposition to this because it can change nations. This is not something we're necessarily hearing. But I tell you what, we need the fullness because Jesus had it. And Jesus said, as I am, so are ye in the world. And the fear of the Lord. (laughs) God is going to release the fear of the Lord again. It says in the book of Acts 5.13, it says, no one else dare join them. Can you imagine we've got meetings where no one will join us because of the awesomeness of God? 
when I say the fear of the Lord, it's really, it's not God condemning, it's the awesomeness of God. He's so awesome. He's so big. So powerful that if you're not a Christian, you're terrified. We've never experienced that, where the fear of the Lord comes in a whole region. That's what happened in Isla Lewis. The fear of the Lord came in the whole island and hundreds and hundreds, I think it was something like 600 people in one night run out of their houses and had to go to church because they didn't know where else to go because the fear of the Lord came in the whole island. The fear of the Lord is really God consciousness and if we are walking with God, it's not, it's not a fear in the sense we can't draw near him. It's a fear that he's so awesome. He's so awesome. He's so big. He's so incredible. It will terrify us. <laughs> like Ian Clyde talks about how that when he met God, he peed his pants. <laughs> There's other stuff I've got, but I don't want to get through it all. I just want to read a few stories about because this army is going to walk in revival fire like the fire went before Job's army the fire went before Job's army and Abby gave a word that God wanted to do something here that was similar to Azusa Street so that's why I chose this story and I realised God will do stuff that's different but it is old and new it's old and new. This is for Frank Bartleman, who was part of the Azusa Street revival. He was describing what happened at the meeting. He says, A dozen might be on their feet at one time, trembling under the mighty power of God. This was in 1906. We did not have to get our cure from some leader, and we were free from lawlessness. We were shut up to God in prayer. In the meetings, our minds on him. All obeyed God in meekness and humility. In honour we preferred one another. The Lord was liable to burst through anyone. The, the Lord's going to move through anyone. Anyone. It's not going to be a one-man show anymore. We prayed for this continually. Someone would finally get up anointed for the message. All seemed to recognize us and gave way. It might be a child, a woman, or a man. <laughs> even, even a woman. It might be from the back seat or from the front. It made no difference. We rejoiced that God was working. No one wished to show himself. We thought only of obeying God. And someone might be speaking, suddenly the Spirit would fall upon the congregation. God himself would get, give the altar call. Men would fall in, all over the house like the slain in battle, or rush for the altar in mass to seek God. The scene often resembled a forest of fallen trees. Such a scene cannot be limited. I never saw an altar call given in these early days. God himself would call them. Yeah. And the preacher knew when to quit. <laughs> when he spoke, we all obeyed. It seemed a fearful thing to hinder or grieve the spirit. The whole place was steeped in prayer. God was in his holy temple. It was for man to keep silent. The Shekinah glory rested there. In fact, some claim to have seen the glory night by night over the building. We're going to see habitation here in Scotland. We're going to see the glory coming so strong that no flesh will be able to exalt itself. But God will use anyone. He'll use children, he'll use old or young, doesn't matter. And we're going to walk with such glory on us, like Charles Finney again. This is him talking about going into the factory. 
It says the next morning after breakfast I went into the factory, the factory to look through it. As I went through the factory I observed there was a good deal of agitation among the people there. On passing through one of the apartments where a great number of young women were attending to the spinning or weaving, I observed a couple of them eyeing me and speaking very earnestly to each other. And I could see that they were a good deal agitated, although they both laughed. I went slowly towards them. They saw me coming and were evidently much excited. The thread of one of the machines broke and I observed that the girl's hands trembled so that she could not mend it. I approached slowly, looking on each side at the machinery as I passed, but observed that this girl grew more and more agitated and could not proceed with her work. When I came within eight or ten feet of her, I looked solemnly at her. She observed it and was quite overcome and sunk down and burst into tears. That impression caught almost like powder and in a few moments nearly the whole room was in tears. This is Charles Finney walking into a factory and he did not even say a word. He just carried the presence. And see, this feeling spread through the factory, the whole factory. And the owner of the establishment was present. And seeing the state of things, he said to the superintendent, Stop the mill and let the people attend to religion. <laughs> For it's more important that our souls should be saved than that this factory keeps running. The whole factory was shut down. The whole factory was shut down by one man who just walked in the presence, walked in the glory. And that's what God is going to do with Joel's army. I've got loads more, but I don't, as I say, I don't want to go through it. I just want to say this. God is raising up an army. He's raising up Joel's army. It's a Joshua generation who have never been this way before. We're about to walk into the promised land. We're about to operate as oracles, which is the highest level of prophetic we could ever imagine. But it's not just prophetic. It's that our very words will cut people to the heart. Our words will change nations. It's like our words, we can see kings rise and kings fall. Presidents will be put in place and presidents will be torn down. It's like we can say that something will succeed or something won't succeed because we are going to walk in such glory, such anointing. God is going to put upon us the seven spirits where we are going to see the fullness of counsel and might and understanding and the fear of the Lord. We are going to walk with revival fire. We're going to see such glory on us. We're going to be a habitation individually and collectively where we will walk into places in the whole region. The whole place will change. That's what God is raising up. And we've never seen it before. And we... We need to position ourselves for this and desire this. And we're also going to be a generation like Enoch who knows how to access heaven. We know how to access the courtrooms of heaven. It's not going to just be about meetings anymore. It's about government now. Everything in Scotland has changed now, whether we realise it or not. I'm announcing that tonight. Everything's changed whether we realise it or not. Everything has changed whether we realise it or not. God is raising up his government. Bob Jones said in 2012 that God was raising up his government. I want to tell you that the government's here. It's hidden. It's hidden. And there's groups of people all over the nation where it's hidden. And you might not even know who they are. Some of them might be part of the church, some might not. But the government is here. The government of God is here. God is raising up the true apostolic again. For it's the apostolic who are willing to be on bended knee. It's the apostolic who are willing to serve the people. It's the apostolic who will not control. It's the apostolic who know how to go into heaven and get the blueprint from heaven. We will get the blueprint from heaven. No more just our ideas about how to evangelize. It's not going to be about good missions evangelistic courses is going to be about getting the blueprint from heaven because God knows how to win our regions. God knows how to win our nation. He knows how to win Scotland, Ireland, England and Wales. He knows how to move in Europe. He needs us to be that people. It may not be that there's many people here tonight, but I tell you, God is calling anyone who's up for it. It doesn't matter if you're old or young. And let me say the Moses generation is, is 
not anybody here because we are part of the Joshua generation. Anybody that's alive right now is part of the Joshua generation. Joshua was an old man when he went into the promised land. He was not young. It's not just young. It's old and young and middle-aged and it's male and it's female. And this is what God is doing here in Scotland and the nations. And we are going to walk in such glory, such a fear of the Lord. The nations will tremble. People will tremble. And when we speak, there will be power. There will be glory on our voices. Presidents will listen. We have been overlooked. We have been overlooked, but that time is coming to an end. asking a question, are we willing to pay the price for what? I want to just read a prophetic word given by Justin Abraham. There's no one preaches grace and love more than Justin. He preaches the gospel, the happy gospel, everybody goes. But he got this word about there being a cost. want to read it. It's just called the extreme generation. Joshua generation. I was woken in the night and heard a specific word of revelation. I tried to capture it as best as I could. That's the part I don't want to read. The generation that I am raising up now is an extreme generation. They are going to look so hot, so on fire, so extreme in their consecration and in their decisions and in their lifestyles that they're going to be persecuted, even as I was persecuted, because the brightness and holiness of their lives is going to cause those who seemed holy to suddenly feel unclean. And those who thought they were on fire to suddenly realize that they weren't on fire at all. This fire that I'm releasing on this people will cause them to make lifestyle choices like that of the monastics and the mystics of old. Where they will forsake many of the patterns and things of the world to lay hold of the heavenly reality. Some will accuse them of being religious. Some will accuse them of being a hundred, of sorry, of being too heavenly minded. And they will be misunderstood and abused. But they will be known by heaven. And they will experience the reality of heaven unlike any other generation has. My hand will come upon them heavily. They will work my wonders and they will demonstrate my awe and my wonders. They will be known by me. They will be those that obtain promises. They will see my face and they will stand in my counsel. The price to walk in this realm is higher than most people realize. It is more costly. It is like a treasure in a field. It costs everything to obtain this price. This price. It's going to be a day-to-day decision. It will involve embarrassment. It will involve humiliation, brokenness. It will involve making choices that seem illogical making choices that people don't understand. It may mean drawing aside when sometimes it's inappropriate to be gone. It will mean taking up your cross daily and loving not your life unto death. It is a great work that these have been called to do, but there is a great price. Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to be the ones that walk in this power of the age to come? Each one is invited. Many are called, but few respond and become chosen. But to those who respond, they will be chosen. And they will be precious in my sight. Are we willing to be that generation? 
I know, I know I'm born for this. I know that I'm born to see a whole nation transformed. God chooses the foolish things of this world. The question is, are we all up for this? Are we willing to pay this price? Are we willing to say tonight, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm willing to be part of this Job's generation. And as I've said before, it's old and young. Do we want that? If you do, tell God. Tell God you're willing because I tell you what, it's going to take this extreme cost, this extreme decision to walk in the fullness of what God wants to bring. Lord, I say that I want to be part of this generation. Lord, I want to be part of this. I want to see the fullness of the seven spirits come upon a generation. Lord, I want to see this nation transformed. Lord, I want to see Job's army rise. I want to be part of the Joshua generation who really, really, in reality, go into the promised land. Lord, I want to be one of those oracles that speak your word like Moses to Pharaoh. Lord, I want to walk in the fullness of the fear of the Lord. Lord, I say that I am up for that. heaven and operate in your courts and bring justice to the earth, to bring righteousness to the earth, to bring the fire to the earth, to bring your glory to the earth again, to rebuild ruined cities. We want to be the ones who rebuild ruined cities. We want to be the ones that you use, Lord God, to cause our nation to be a sheep nation. yes. If it's different from what I'm saying, I say yes. If you come and everyone's just absolutely drunk, so be it. If you come and it's the fear of the Lord, so be it. Lord, have your way. I say today, Lord God, that for this group, we say yes. For 2013, we say yes. We say do what you want in our lives as individuals. Lord, we are born. We are born for this day. You chose when we would be born, where we would, we would be born. You chose, Lord God. You gave us the scrolls before we were even born that we would see this day, that we would walk like Enoch. We welcome the ancient paths. welcome the true apostolic to Scotland. We welcome the Ecclesia. 
welcome your world. We welcome your ways. And Lord, with any authority that you've given us, we say, come. Come and take over. Come and be head of the church again. Come and be head of the church again. No longer us being the head. You be the head of the church again, Lord.
walks out in the mist. Yes. You can read John and say that and there'd be meetings and Jesus would just physically walk into the room. Thank you. 